a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, guys, an incredibly special one, Jose Miguel Perez Gomez comes by. He is, of course, the Venezuelan explorer and archaeologist that Ben Tejada Ingram talks about in his book, The Last Dinosaur of the Lost World. We just had Ben on just a little bit ago, and now we're talking to the archaeologist who that story is based on, and he is fascinating. You guys are absolutely going to love this. We talk about his brand new discovery uh, that is, some of you will be seeing, if you go see the video version, because he's got a ton of pictures that I'm putting in this, as a heads up for the audio only audience, uh, go check out the video because you will be the first to see this. Uh, there's probably been, I think he said about 15 people uh, that have seen these pictures and you guys will be among the first. So go check out the video for sure, linked it in the show notes uh, about his Indian pictographs that he discovered on this incredible boulder. Guys, the story is fascinating. Not only that, we also talk about his discovery of a French fleet, uh, as well as a Spanish fort that has El Dorado rings to it. It's unbelievable, guys. This is such a whimsical whimsical man uh, and he's just got so many cool perspectives and philosophies as well as he's just brilliant absolutely brilliant you're just gonna love this i'm so excited okay so uh before we get to all that check out some of the resource links in our show notes down there as well as all the ways to find jose miguel uh food forest abundance of course uh libsyn if you'd like to start your own podcast uh amazon if you're gonna buy anything from there running through our link because it helps the show truly grateful for that guys as well as opus uh, the organization for paranormal understanding and support linked down there for all of your needs of that sort while you're down there as well check out expandingrealitypodcast.com now that is where the video for this will be full of all the pictures, guys. You're definitely going to want to check out uh, all of this information. It's just fascinating. Uh, as well as all the socials, uh, lives are replayed there, links to everything, the merch, all that good stuff can be found there. One link's all you need, expandingrealitypodcast.com. Okay, now let's get to this, guys. Unbelievable conversation with Jose Miguel Perez Gomez. All right, ladies and gentlemen, an extremely special episode. We have Jose Miguel Perez Gomez hanging out with us today. Uh, of course, Venezuelan explorer and archaeologist, rock climber, mountaineer, survival expert, skydiver, one of the first scuba divers to explore some flooded caves in South America, 40-year guide expert. Dude, you've done it all. Uh, any one of the things that I just listed is a lifetime achievement for most people, but you were just like, I'm just going to do all of it, and it's just going to be the most incredible life ever. So I'm extremely excited to speak with you. And how we met was, of course, through Ben Tejada Ingram's book, um, The Lost World, The Last Dinosaur of the Lost World, here, My Search for Little Nessie. This is your story. He was, you know, this is what he wrote about. And so I had to reach out and connect with you. And of course, You've been just one of the most incredible people I've ever spoken to, so I cannot wait to introduce you to my audience. On that note, do you mind just telling us a little bit more about yourself than I just read off for you there? 
Well, listen, I first of all, I want to uh, take the chance to to uh, to say thanks for having me in your show. For me, it's a, it's a honor. Uh, uh, considering the extraordinary people you, you you've been having here, so for me it's a, it's a real honor. So thank you very much for that. Uh, well, I I am an ordinary person having an extraordinary life. Uh, I've been exploring for the last 42 years of my life, uh, combining it with a passion uh, which is archaeology, and uh, and basically this is it. This is all what I have to say. I. I I, I, I am very, very uh, happy, you know, for this extraordinary um, life that I'm having, but I'm an ordinary person, just like you. It's so funny. Uh, yes, because I know people that do what you do all the time. This is just people I meet all the time. I'm like, ugh, you're going to go discover a new Spaniard fort in the middle of a river in South America? Cool. I mean, there's 20 other people I know that are doing this. You're a remarkable dude. I mean, this is what's so amazing about this, too, is because you're so humble. And uh, you and I have had a conversation before this, but your spiritual ideas, your concepts, your philosophies, I mean, any of that stuff, we could spend years just talking about you and I. But uh, let, let's talk about some of your work here. So you have an exciting new discovery uh, that for the audio-only audience, I'm going to be putting some pictures that he sent me that are remarkable in the show notes. So you guys check the link down below titled expandingrealitypodcast.com. So where you can see the full video for free on our website. And it's going to have a montage of incredible images that you guys are definitely going to want to enjoy associated with this story so the archaeology of the lost world we're talking about realities frozen in time what is your latest discovery well uh this discovery is uh, related to uh some uh, rock art paintings that uh, i saw the first time uh, 12 years ago and um, they are located in a very very remote area that uh, is only accessible by helicopter means you can go there walking, but it will take you like one and a half week to go and another half, one and a half week to come back to just the place where you have to be landing there with a plane. So they're very, very remote. They have never been seen before. Uh, actually, the Indians, they do know them well. And, and I, actually, they do not really can connect them through, through, their, own, um, through their own past because uh, the Indians living in, the, in these places, the Pemons uh, or the Pemones, um, they do not continue uh, these traditions. So for them, uh, they, they, there is a mystery with those paints. They, they are more recently than the paints, which actually right now can be between uh, four and 7,000 years or before the present. It's fascinating. So how did you come to discover these? Well, um, a, a helicopter friend of mine uh, Henry De Viana, he's, he's now passed away. Uh, he told me about these uh, rock paintings. And so I, I, once I, I was in the area uh, doing another exploration on top of the Chimanta Plateau, uh, these, these are very, very extraordinary mountains that they're flat on top and, and they rise over the savannas for, for, for thousands of meters. And um, I was exploring uh, that particular mountain and I was close to this area that my friend told me, so I decided to go there. And I, when I got there, I got stunned. I really got astonished for what I saw. And I knew immediately that I was in, in front of a very, very remarkable place, remarkable place. And, um, and, and I decided to, to go ahead and study them. 
Well, it's incredible. And uh, so you found a boulder. So uh, tell me about what you found uh, and what does that boulder represent to the indigenous? Well, it's very interesting because this is a, it's a huge boulder. It's, it's like a 40 meter diameter uh, boulder. And, um, and, and this uh, is, is covered all around, it's circular, and it's covered all around with paintings. And, and, and these paintings, they're different in different places. And um, it's very funny because I have been already four times there. And every time I go, I found new pictures. I don't know if the people from the past is, is putting them uh, for fun. And, and, and so I am seeing them as new because before I didn't see them. This is, this is something very, very interesting. Well, also the, the areas surrounding the savannas, they get burned. And, and this uh, burning of the vegetation, they allows you to go into other places of the boulder that you, you weren't able to, 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 to see before. But it's interesting. Every, every time I go, I find more pictures. And I consider these, these pictographs right now are probably some of the most relevant in the northern part of the continent at the moment. And, 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 and this is just coming out like, you know, like bread from the oven. Well, it's fascinating, too, because this boulder separates two rivers. And so it's right in the middle geographically where it's located is very interesting. And again, guys, I'm putting pictures of this up as he's explaining it. Go check these out. It is absolutely fascinating. So when you first walked up to the boulder the first time, what was the feeling that you got? Well, the feeling uh, was uh, something that is being a condition in most of my expeditions is the sense of wonder the sense of entering into the unknown, into something which was mysterious until you got there. Uh, something that reminded like frozen in time, but all of a sudden somebody's there to look at it and bring it back, you know? And, and, and um, this is what amazed me the most. And, and, um, and, and this condition of, of um, amazement is what uh, keeps me going. You know, this last expedition was this boulder. But my expeditions that I had in the past, there were other boulders in other shapes and other types and, and in other places that right now you can construct a chain, you can make a connection. And, 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 and you can realize that accessing these places, it's all because of this act of amazement, you know, something that uh, probably... We, 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 we have when we're kids, but uh, we lose or lose when we are uh, older, you know, and, 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 and this is something that has to be uh, very important to keep in mind, you know, this sense of amazement. I could not agree more. And that's what this gave me whenever I'm reading through your work and you sent me this incredible paper that you wrote on this brand new discovery. Like you said, I'm probably the 15th person to ever see these images or these rock arts besides the people that created them. And so uh, your orientation map, the boulder plan and panel orientation again, guys, and uh, putting it up now in the in the video, it shows this uh, omnidirectional layout of the boulder. And you even have a marked cave on there, which I want to ask you about springs. Um, it's just fantastic. The way that you documented this it's so precise uh, even to the degree orientation located on a compass it's absolutely fascinating so again in the show notes guys expandingrealitypodcast.com go check it out video audience right here unbelievable stuff so what did you find in the cave was there anything cool of note in that well it's very interesting uh, your question because when i first saw the cave the cave was a very little cave 
you know, it was a very, very little cave that, you know, I, I was there inside and probably three, four people could only fit into the cave. And, and, and um, this last street, the cave uh, moved and became wider, actually connected the whole bottom of the boulder. And, and I believe that this is the, probably the effect of water. I mean, uh, this, this boulder uh, is in some point that uh, water uh, flows through it and, uh, and now the cave is open. It's, it's, it, 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 well, it's still a cave, but you can enter from one side and get out at the other side. Something amazing, I, something I didn't see before. And um, now that I have been looking at it, uh, uh, quite interesting uh, uh, to say that in one of the entrance of the cave, there is a group of um, paintings. You know, there is, there, is, there, is, there is, I found like a very little hole that goes deep into, into the boulder's uh, foot, let's say. And, and I think that this uh, little hole connects the whole cave system, okay, underneath. So I found paints on the entrance of this uh, small little cave. And this is something that you can see uh, in, the, in the Paleolithic in Europe, you know, a caves, they had a, a mysterious uh, sense and, 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 uh, and, and, and uh, let's say, a significance for, for those people. Caves, they were like the matrix, the womb, the, the, something where, where, you know, things were coming out. It was something very mysterious and it's not different from now. Uh, regarding to, to this to this boulder that uh, we're just uh, developing uh, in its study. It's so stunning. This is such a cool thing. I just can't tell you, like like I said, the wonder that you experienced there, I can't imagine. I'm experiencing it just reading. You know, this is one of those things like a book can take you somewhere or a good story can take you somewhere and make you really feel like you're there. And that's what this is. So it's it's amazing that we all feel like we're on this discovery with you and it's mind-blowing, man. So let's talk about some of the art. So uh, the yellow panel, you've, you've broken these up into sections. So what is significant about the yellow panel in your opinion? Well, every, every panel uh, has uh, uh, signs, but we do not know. Um, and when I say we, we, we I, I talk about our, our, most of archaeologists, they really, really have uh, no uh, a, a real clue of what those signs meant for those people in the past. We have some ideas, some approaches, what they could be, you know, uh, used for. And um, uh, what we have come about to, to, to learn is that many of them, they were the result of um, magic actions in order to, you know, achieve a good hunting or, you know, heal the body or um, uh, the, the increase the fertility of the groups. So this, we're in front of a religious process here. We're, we're not in, in front of some artist representation because of beauty or, you know, the, the aesthetic of the signs. Uh, actually, we're looking at uh, some rituals that were uh, present into these walls uh, along many, many years and many generations of these people. So this is why you see signs uh, on top of the other and on top of the other. And when it gets reddish because of the amount of concentration, it's because this has been a process of enacting rituals, you know, and, 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 and they were they were placing uh, signs one on top of the other. But this is very interesting because I sent you 
um, two, two images for, for people to have an idea. And one of these images is actually how it, it is. This is in the yellow panel. And this is very interesting because this picture you're looking at, I didn't see it before. By the, the, the last time I was there, I didn't see this, uh, this uh, image. So this image is totally new. But there is something even more interesting. By applying some algorithms that are used by archaeologists in order to, um, uh, let's say, uh, enact, uh, 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 reshape these uh, images, to, you know, to bring uh, to your eye uh, some um, other features, you have a combination of algorithms. And I send you these two images so you can see the difference from the one that you see with your bare eyes and the other one, which is contrasted, how all of a sudden you have new signs coming to you, which are, uh, they're called digits, and they're made with the fingertips. And, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a group of uh, small dots that you see. And, 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 and this is very interesting because at, at this very moment, you probably are the only three person that have seen this already or, or the four, because this is not published. This is not published. And, and this is very interesting because it tells you something about reality. It tells you that our eyes, they're not telling us the whole story of what lies in front of us, you know? And, and this is what makes it uh, really, really uh, interesting that your eye just can go further. I mean, you need technology. And this is the beauty of the times we're living now. You know, and making, you know, uh, making us go for new discoveries. And in archaeology, past uh, places that have been uh, worked, that have been studied and researched now, you go there with technology and you will be amazed because you will be finding more new things and you will be looking at it in a new, different way. So there will be more discoveries in the same place. Absolutely. And something I wanted to ask you is about this. So on some of these images, uh, you've got uh, the red, like you said, was pretty smudged out and written over. Is there any sort of technology to where you can take a picture of it and change the filter of the image to kind of bring those out and adjust the contrast and things to get images that you can't see really or perceive with the naked eye? Is there a technique yeah. for that? Yes, actually, this is what I'm talking about. And this is what you're looking at, at that uh, contrasted picture. I don't know if you, you, you are able to see it, but um, uh, it's is um, one next to the other. If you if you switch from one to the other, you will see the difference of the of, of the real one, uh, what the reality tells you or your reality, but what technology is uh, showing you that uh, you know that there is something even behind what you're looking at that is probably older. This square. Uh, 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 sign that you're looking at is newer than the dots that uh, are represented there, but only seen through this uh, computer enhancement. So interesting. This is kind of like LIDAR, how they're finding uh, things under the jungle floor uh, where you can't really see it with the naked eye, but there's a perceived technological advantage from being able to view them in this way and use that technique. Now, something interesting to what you said as well is these designs. Uh, these designs don't represent that we can really detect uh, people or animals or anything like that, like you'd already spoken of, like the wonderful caves in Vienna. But what's really interesting about them is they are more ritualistic. So your, your interpretation on them being more of a 
religious or having some sort of spiritual significance is very interesting because they do. If you look at this, some of them look like um, Viking ruins or uh, like uh, sigils, to be honest with you. A lot of these look like magic sigils in some certain ways with the dots, with the lines, with the trees, the X's, uh, these long horizontal bars with vertical bars connecting them that may be some sort of timekeeping apparatus. Uh, and then you've also got the fact that they layer. Now, let me ask you this. I'm, I'm curious about whenever you see things, and I bring up Baalbek all the time, but there are countless examples of this. When you see a temple like Baalbek, it's obviously that the foundation and those foundational stones were built by a more advanced culture or just a different one at a different period of time. But the fact that they built something on top of it as well denotes that uh, it was either just a really good foundation and they were like, man, this is great. We're just going to keep it or that there's some sort of significance to the particular location and that establishing a new, I guess, temple or a new order, a new way of thinking, a new spiritual enlightenment on top of that same physical location, which, you know, may draw into ley lines. We're talking about a lot of interesting stuff here. This, do you think in your mind that this is what's going on with these um, markings as well? And that's why they're layered. It's kind of like they were built on top. Or what do you think the significance of, is, of that is? This is a very interesting question, what you're bringing. And in archaeology, we have landscape archaeology as a tool to uh, research not only the, the place where you find artifacts and you have been, uh, people have been habitating, but also the, the, the surrounding landscape. And it happens that you don't need to be too wise when you were uh, next to this boulder to realize that the whole landscape have an had an impact on these people. These people, they were amazed probably by the landscape because when you go there now and you look at the surroundings, and I send you some pictures of the surroundings of this boulder. When you look at them, the landscape is so mythical. It's so, um, it, 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 it's so out of this world <laughs> that these people have to have uh, some impact in, on, in their mind. So this boulder uh, is connected to the landscape. It's an anchor to the landscape. They are connected to the landscape through these boulder paintings. So uh, this is very, very important because it's, it's, uh, it's probably what you could say uh, um, as, as a whole, what this does uh, or, or did in these people was probably uh, a feeling of identity. These people felt connected uh, through the boulder with the, um, with the landscape. And, and definitely the landscape impacted them. So it's paintings, the landscape and the people, they're all connected. You can connect uh, all these, uh, these things, you know? Absolutely. It's like a snapshot of time. It's, uh, you know... Uh reality is frozen in time and you're just thawing them out as you spoke earlier. I thought that was a great way of putting this. Now, uh, let me ask you this. Have you have you been able to identify the culture? Because uh, I've never seen rock art like this. I, I don't see it compared to anything else, but this is my limited um, observation. Have you been able to track this down to one specific group of folks or connect it to any other similar pictographs in anywhere around the world? Well, it's, it's, it's another interesting question. And, and um these um, paintings uh, are very similar to other signs uh, that, that, that you can find now in, in places like in Africa. There's a culture, the sun and the coso. These are, these are actual people that they, 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 they perform similar uh, signs. Uh, in the Upper Paleolithic in Cantabria, you have caves like El Castillo, for instance, that if you look at the, at the, at the, the signs there, um, they're very similar. But why is this? Why, what's going on here? 
And what's going on is being already described by the several specialists. I'm not an specialist on this. This is something I must I must uh, confess to people. I'm not an specialist, but they're specialists on this uh, subject. And what they uh, have come to realize is that when these people they they performed these signs, they were um, also on a consciousness alterates of, of of states. You know, they, they, their consciousness had an, an altered state, perhaps by chanting or by um, uh, food privation or perhaps by some uh, substances uh, that you know could affect their their their, their minds. So. When, when this happens, the, the, there are um, uh, phosphines that are located in your eye that um, get activated. So you see dots, you see zigzags, you see like square, like triangles. And uh, even when you, you, you press your eye uh, and rub it a little bit, you can, you can actually uh, see this uh, sometimes, you know, perhaps at night when you're going to, to bed. So this is uh, what uh, some um, uh, specialists, they consider that was happening. So this is why you can connect all this in, in, in different places. I mean, they, 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 it's the same us at the end of the day. I mean, it's, it's not about uh, the places, it's about us. Somehow there is a connection uh, with, with people's mind and, and, and it's very interesting. It's very interesting because when I saw them for the first time, they say, "Hey, it looks similar to other places I have seen," uh, and 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 um, and this is all about. I mean, these people they were enacting rituals, and um, they were in altered states of consciousness, and uh, you know they were connecting to their supernatural world. Man, this is fascinating. The fact, though, that you said, um, uh, there's just so much to unpack here. So the fact that you said that this was also mirrored in an African tribe and they have a long relationship with psychedelics or mind consciousness alteration or enhancement, uh, especially with psilocybin around the world, but also with uh, Ibig... Ib Iboga over there and the acacia in Africa, but then also all of the plant medicine spirits in South America, which are well known now. Uh, they're coming to be really well known. And so it's interesting that you put altered state of consciousness because now that I look back at the pictographs that you sent in the pictures, yeah, they do resemble a people's trying to articulate re religious significance in these altered or higher consciousness states, which they would have considered sacred. And so they're trying to take these designs and shapes and colors. And I love how you said rub your eye because we all know what you're talking about. It's perfect, man. And then trying to take these things that they would have found significant spiritually and perhaps was like a gift or a key or something being offered to them and then articulating them in a physical way which we all know, and we talk about psychedelics a lot on this show, man. When you attempt to articulate your trip, it's very difficult. It's almost damn near impossible, and you end up getting more confused just attempting to bring it from the spiritual to the physical to let people know about it, let alone depicting it on a two-dimensional surface with your finger and red dye. It, it's interesting the level of disconnect that you go through from the experience to articulation. But the attempt that they made here is fascinating. And now when I look back at it as, you know, um, attempts to recreate a psychedelic trip and gets religious significance out of it because you do feel that during the trip and you just come back and you're like, oh, I want to tell everybody and write this down. And then it's like a dream. If you wait a little too long, you know, you get fuzzy and then you forget it all together. It's like there's a moment in there where you have access to this information. And so it's very interesting that these seemingly disconnected cultures, which is another huge revelation here, um, that were either 
in contact with one another, or we talk about the hundredth monkey effect. This is where you know something in South America pops up, but they're also doing the same thing in Egypt and the architecture and similar things. Now they could have been connected, which is very just mind blowing in itself, but also it could have been some sort of psychic influence to where we're all really dialed in at this point in humanity's history to where they came up with something over here and the other people came up with something across the pond that had no physical connection but maybe we didn't need physical connection for that to be an influence what are your thoughts on that well my thoughts about this are very interesting because uh, when i look at back and i compare these uh, signs with other signs in in, in europe on the us or all around the world uh, you realize that this is the beginning of uh, communication. This is the beginning of writing. And, and, and even this, this is the beginning of art. I, I mean, art and, and, and language and, 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 and um, uh, it's, 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 it's all connected to, to a feeling, to a feeling, you know, and so to a ritualistic or a spiritual feeling. I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's like we're, we're actually taking knowledge from, from, from the gods, you could say, you know, by enacting these rituals. Your, 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 your sense of reality changes because people uh, get to communicate. And this is why you see that some of the signs, they repeat. They, they repeat and they repeat and they repeat. And they, these repetitions, this constant repetition, they must have a meaning. But we do not know actually right now what's the exact meaning of these, uh, of these signs. We, we, we can approach and have an idea, but we, we really can uh, find out uh, actually what, what it means for, for these people. But it's very interesting. It's very interesting because this is a story of us. Love it. It is the story of us. And to what you said about some signs repeating, there are some sort of stick man looking figures. There are the inverted Y and some have arms, some don't. So it looks, but then some of them are stacked and some have inverted hands. And you even, I'm even picking up uh, glimpses of the plasma man. Have you ever heard of that? The four with the two dots on either side that denote this plasma? Yes, I've seen the, 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 the image. It, it kind of looks like you've you've got a couple of those possibly in here as well, which is very interesting. I mean, that tells of a great apocalypse, a plasma type apocalypse is how it's been interpreted. And so uh, there's just some really interesting things in here. And it does look like as they repeated, they didn't really, I'm going to say, improve or change. So that means that what they were seeing and noting... Uh, they wanted you to know about, and they wanted you to know about it several times. And like I said, there's there's even like a Windows sign. You know, it's like a square box with a, a T running through the center of it that looks like four panes on a window. And this is repeated several times. The dots in patterns, the line progressions. It's, exactly. Even in the first in the first image which I send you, which has the the, the, the enhancing the computer enhancing, that's that's a, they call it a scalariform. Uh, because it's, it's uh, representative to like to a stairway sort of a sign, you know. But um, it's interesting because it's repeating in different panels, and and it must had had the meeting. Now getting to that to that meaning is uh, well, it's part of the mystery, you know. Perhaps uh, the boulder will let you know what that, it meant at some point. But right now, what I can tell you for sure is that this. Um, uh, signs, these uh, rock art paintings have impacted me, have made an impact um, in my life because uh, I, before this, I only saw in books, you know, 
Well, I can imagine. I, books. I, I, I have a lot of books about that, but I, uh, this is the first time actually I'm confronting this. And I'm so amazed that in Venezuela we have this and, and, and now we can share it with the rest of the world. You know, I'm curious too, with your compass layout here, have you been able to take those lines and send them off and find out if they're number one connected to any sort of geo um, magnetic anomalies like um, ley lines or anything like that? And second part to that question is, do they also perhaps meet up or point to any other megalithic sites around the world? Well, we have been looking for uh, different places uh, around already in this area, but what we can see uh, as the boulder is isolated on a savanna, uh, every 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 line, every 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 single panel, if you s- uh, step on it and look, uh, you know, with a panel on your back, you will see a landscape that you you won't believe it. I mean, the, the, these mountains, the tepuis that I'm uh, showing you, that's what you see. That's what you see. You have you have a really expanded view. And uh, this, for instance, this Tepui, uh, the Acopan, which is uh, towards the the west uh, of the boulder, uh, is amazing. It's something unbelievable. I mean, you have to be there to actually experience. And uh, I tell you, this uh, the, 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 the paintings are really marvelous, but uh, the landscape, it makes you wonder, you know? It's just so amazing. A picture of the plateau so this is, this is, that you sent just gorgeous, as well as just this far shot of the boulder. I just, I'm going to set that as my desktop background. It's gorgeous. You just want to hang out there. It's got the eagle, you know, um, feature kind of on the top. Unbelievable, man. I can't believe uh, that this is there. Have you camped on this thing? Like, have you been able to stay in the area overnight? No, no, not yet. Because uh, right now um, we're planning another trip. Uh, so we can uh, collect more data, but um, it will be nice. It will be very nice because the, 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 the nice sky at that place should be fantastic. Since you have nothing. I mean, there is not a single line, nothing. Your closest village is uh, 100 kilometers or more away. So, you know, uh, you're in the middle of nowhere. And um, another thing that you asked me about this place uh, as part of the landscape, um, this is something that is uh, recently being studied, you know, how, how these rocks, they're not just rocks next to a river or in the middle of, you know, a, a, a bush or a savanna area, but how these places are actually connecting to the landscape. And this is very interesting and, 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 and it's developing right now uh, uh, in, in archaeology because um, the, the landscape really had an impact on, on, on the people. It was part of their culture. It's, you, can, you, can, you can talk about the cultural landscape. Mm. This is the reality frozen in time we're talking about. And it's so interesting. And even the landscape being as gorgeous as it is, it's changed over time. So what it must have originally looked like just blows the mind. Let me ask you also, have you or are you planning on uh, doing a ground penetrating radar study to see if that cave goes anywhere, if there's a system underneath there anywhere? Well, regarding to the cave, it's interesting because basically in the past, caves were places for um, uh, burying people. So uh, I, I think that perhaps we could find remains of people, perhaps not, but this, uh, this is a question we have right now. And it's interesting because in archaeology, everything starts with a question. I mean, you, 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 if, if you ask yourself the proper questions, then you will have probably the proper answers. 
but uh, it, it, it doesn't work all the way. I mean, we, we don't um, uh, excavate for excavate. Uh, we're not treasure hunters, you know, like we, you, you know, like, like puzzling and, and wondering if there will be something here or not. But uh, we have to have questions. I'm not a, 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 a bioarchaeologist, and this is, a, this is another speciality. You know, whenever you find a human remains, this, this is the work of somebody else, some specialist. Uh, same with everything, you know, with artifacts. This last trip, we, we found artifacts uh, on the ground, which I didn't see the last time. Amazing. You know, I saw a lot of uh, debitage, um, uh, broken arrow points and uh, cores and um, uh, scrappers or scrapers, sorry. Um, um, so, some other microblades that, that you, you, can, you can use it today and they will cut like a sharp knife. Damn. And, and you can tell that uh, this is uh, brought by the people to the place because uh, the geology of these artifacts doesn't belong to the area. So they, the people, they were moving through and they were walking through this area and this perhaps was not a, a regular habitation area, this boulder. They, they, these people, they came here following animals migrating, you know, herds of animals migrating, going through this valley. So this was probably also a hunting uh, cabin, if you could say that. Oh, you know? yeah. A hunting place where you could look at the valley and you could see the herds of animals. So you meet there at the season time and you will do this one year after another year after another year after another year. Yeah, it seems to be a great place to meet. It's because it's such a landmark, right? And then people will note uh, maybe their travels or their hunt, and perhaps that's what the significance of some of these are, and that's why they're layered. Maybe it's like, oh, this year uh, we hunted this, and then over the top of it next year, and then just kind of add to it as a kind of a record of their time or a record of spiritual experiences they had because uh, there's high reverence for um, folks in our ancient past, especially in South and North America, that had a high reverence for the animals that they were hunting. Everything is spiritual. We talk about circle cultures to where they fit inside of a system where they're all part of the same system. So there's this high reverence and there's this spiritual experience that goes along with the hunt. And you can imagine these fathers taking their sons later, you know, up to the same spot they've been hunting the entire time and maybe having their sons make their mark and tell the stories of their fathers and grandfathers that came before in this just reverence of tradition and love of nature and reality and being one with this area is just mind-blowing man i i love everything about this yeah well as, as, as we said before this is a story of us uh definitely uh there were fathers there with their sons and their sons they were becoming men at the time of making their first hunt perhaps and this is no different from now it happens uh, even even today in many in many societies. But the interesting thing is that um, uh, what what is it, it has been studied in the in, in Europe and, and other uh, Paleolithic areas is that these people they were probably painting before hunting. I mean they were they were hunting the animal on the walls in the very beginning. You know they were already visualizing hunting the animal and how they wanted to have it, you know, surrounded and kill. And this is what they were performing before they were going to hunt. You know, they were, they were, they were enacting this ritual in order to achieve good hunting. 
and 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 then this is very interesting because some there there's some um, some uh, rock art paintings in the in in, so, in some uh, caves in in Europe where you can see the animals actually are um, uh, uh, they uh, actually have an spare on them, no? They were already killed before. I mean, before people going after them, they were already dead. It's 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 it's, it's how they, their mind was uh, uh, making it up. You know, they they were visualizing. They were actually doing the act of killing in their minds before they went to to hunt. My God, that's deep. Because you think about it like a uh, vision board in manifestation. Uh, you visualize and then enact. And so, yeah, they scripted it out. They plan just like a football player or something like that. They have this organization to it to where they're like, okay, I know we can do these things. I saw it in a vision. We're having these sacred experiences. If we map it out like this, this is how it will play out. Man, this is so deep as far as like predictive programming that we encountered on today's world and how it's used. But this ancient form of visualization and then execution that's a fascinating concept. What made you think of that? Well, no, actually, people do it today. I mean, um, you have a lot of um, a coach or other um, new era, you know, healers that, you know, that uh, let you know that uh, you have to convince yourself in order to get cured. You know, you have to see yourself curing your mind before actually it happens. You have to really, really, I mean, you have to alter your reality before alter, altering your body. And this is very interesting because um, th th this is where we all get connected. And, and, and we're not different from these people thousands of years uh, ago, you know. They, 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 they were somehow connecting. They were, they were changing something within themselves in order to change their surrounding reality. You know, they, they actually, and, and the, the thing, probably the difference is that these people, they really had it as part of their culture. And it happened. I mean, if we excavate there, uh, for sure we'll, we will find bones from the distinct animal these people hunted. And this is the confirmation of their hunt. I mean, it, it, it was a cycle. It was something repeating, you know, uh, year after year. And, 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 and it, it's very interesting. And today is no different. People that, you know, they're healer, healers, they, 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 they let you know that if you change, your mind, your mind will change your body and you will heal. See, this is what makes you so damn remarkable. And I like your humility. And this is a Dunning-Kruger effect, right? The people who don't know anything are super braggadocious and like, I'm the best ever. And you're so humble. But th just what you said there, that's one of the deepest insights that anyone can come to. And what you're doing is you're, you're already appreciating the as above, so below model. So you're thinking, well, if now we use this visualization technique, which just came about, what, in the last, let's say, 20, 30 years max? Uh, I mean, you know, you've got people like uh, Napoleon Hill who've been doing this and stuff, but really in the mainstream, this is now being talked about a lot more. Uh, but for you, Jose, to mentally take this idea and then anthropomorphize it back in time to say, well, of course they would have done that as well, and then just draw such an amazing, mind-blowing, logical conclusion to the same point, this is what makes you spectacular, brother. Your insight into being able to, as above, so below, anthropomorphize back in time and to get a better story or a better understanding based on our knowledge now of how they would have interpreted and, and approached their, their lives. I mean, this is fascinating, brother. Absolutely wonderful insight. Oh, I'm just blown away by all this, dude. This is so cool. <laughs> well, um, let, me tell you, let me tell you one thing. Um, this is very interesting because we're getting to get this knowledge through science. 
is science which is leading us to the knowledge. And, and not by reading a book about it, by, to, by experiencing it in person. So the impact I get right now uh, by first looking it on a book, read about it, and now I'm seeing it, now I'm studying it, now I'm getting to understand it. And this is mind blowing for me, this is changing me. This is changing me because it's reaffirming everything that uh, I, I have been uh, seeing in the books and I'm experiencing it firsthand. And this is how you get to, to the knowledge. But as science is a fantastic tool to, to get to knowledge, knowledge itself is nothing if you don't share it. This is why scientists publish. You know, you have to share knowledge because the way that you do this, you're actually uh, making a continuum. Uh, you're making these people talk. These people are the pictures that are alive right now. It's amazing. And you're connected to them. And, and you're not only connected to them, you're connected to the ones in Europe. You're connected to the ones in the US. I mean, you're, you're connecting the past. You're connecting a past reality that at the end of the day, I could say it connects us all. It, it gives us a sense of unity. And, 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 and this, is, this is the message. But see, this is what's so remarkable about you, in particular, in your message. We've been seeing a lot of alterations in practices as far as science, religion, um, all of these things in an elevated level. And it looks like you're the first person that I've talked to, as far as archaeology goes, that has this new perspective integrated. So now you're advancing the study of even digging up old stuff or viewing our past through modern eyes. And it's just so interesting, the approach that you're taking with this. I mean, I'm, I've gotten goosebumps 25 times since we've been doing this, just at least. And it just feels like you are the next wave of this type of ad adventure explorer that's really looking to connect this on a deeper level that has no influence as far as, well, this company is paying me to do this and they want me to suppress a bunch of things. Or the Smithsonian came in and they are, you know, uh, putting blackout bars over a few of these pictographs because they don't want you to know this knowledge. It's this type of thing, man. You're so open with exploring these ideas in such a fresh way that this is what's so refreshing about this is honestly your interpretation of this. I and again, blown away by you personally, but your work, your approach to this and your discovery. And I think that that's why you are the one to make this discovery. I don't think that it was it, it wasn't for anyone else. This the ancient peoples knew maybe that's what's depicted on this rock art. Maybe you're going to decipher this stuff and they're going to spell out Jose Miguel Perez Gomez on there. And it was like an ancient version of you that wrote this that knew you would come back and find it. It's, it's interesting to me, man, the deep spiritual connections that you are also so aware of, but even being so pragmatic in your work and tying the two together. This is, again, the, the thing that excites me so much. So um, I love this and I can't wait uh, for you to publish this thing. And so we're going to get all of this up uh, with the video, like I said. But I'd love to hear about a few more of your adventures, if you don't mind, man. I, do you mind talking to us about the shipwreck discovery that you made? Well... Again, this is not uh, a shipwreck discovery I made or a rock shelter discovery I made. Uh, some people already saw in the past, but as uh, you already know, um, there are no facts in life, but interpretations. So, uh, and this is, a, this is a niche quote, 
and 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 it's like that. I mean, you're by interpreting something that somebody already saw or or it was written somewhere, but by by giving new interpretation, uh, you come out with new facts. And more than that, in science, um, uh, for instance, when uh, when you discover is when you publish. I mean, anybody could have seen this thousands of times. But there comes a, a, a scientist that uh, study it and make a publication, and suddenly it, it's new. It's totally new. And, 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 and this is very interesting because um, this is what technology is going to do with all of us. By applying new technologies on all archaeological places, we discover wonderful things. We will be, I mean, revisiting, and there will be new discoveries on the same place that people thought that it was already done but not, it's just the beginning. And, 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 and this is what we're facing. So with the shipwreck of the French fleet, it's a very interesting because I, I, I got to know this story uh, from people of the 60s that were doing um, uh, spare fishing there. And um, they um, interpret what they saw in the water as uh, pipes, iron pipes. I mean, these fishermen, they had not the knowledge they had never seen a cannon before. So their interpretation, their reality about what they were looking at, it was just a metal pipe, metal piece of pipe. But for me, when I knew it, I knew that there was a shipwreck there and those uh, pipes, they could probably wear cannons. And yes, they did. I counted so far nearly 130 cannons on the archaeological site. And, and this is just part of what that fleet had, because this fleet was the largest fleet ever seen uh, in the Caribbean. And, um, and, and there they, they, they were over 30 ships and carrying more than 5,000 men. Just imagine that at the end of the 17th century. I mean, it was the largest fleet ever seen in the world. And they, 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 they were coming, actually, this is the French. Um, this is a, is a long story, but I, I, I can give you the 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 web link so people can get, get to know more about this but these uh, french uh, were coming to attack the dutch uh, in curacao and at that time they had no gps as you can imagine uh they they, they could know their latitude but they could know their longitude so they basically they were lost uh, and they were lost in the moment where they needed most to know where they were and when, when they thought they were in some place, they were actually running on top of the um, archipelago of Aves uh, reefs, which are um, thousands of miles long, and, um, and, and you don't see them until it's too late. I mean, on a, on a calm day, if you're sailing there, you don't see the reefs, you know? And, and this is how I not only found this shipwreck, this massive shipwreck, we're talking about 12 ships that sank there in one single night, but uh, we're talking that uh, I also found distinct shipwrecks from distinct periods in the same context. So, so, so it, it's, it's very interesting. But coming back to interpretations and discoveries, yes, somehow I did my thesis, uh, my, my, my um, archaeology uh, bachelor of arts thesis on the shipwreck. And, um, and this was the first time that um, the archaeological record was connected to the historical sources. So it's like, uh, it's, it was the birth, basically, of the archaeological site. Because many people knew 
I mean, you when, when you see there, there are hundreds of of of, of written of of, of uh, papers or not 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 uh, uh, historical uh, information, um, uh, but that's it. There was nothing archaeological connected to the historical sources. So this is what I did, and when I published my thesis, it was the it was like the first. It was like a discovery. Yeah. This is what's so cool is, yes, other people saw something, but you actually discovered what it was. And so that's what's so cool. Again, it, it denotes the fact that uh, you're the person meant to see and interpret these things. It's like these were left as gifts for you to find later on. And again, in some life, you know, I mean, if we're all one and we're all connected, you were on those ships. And so you kind of have like a spiritual insight as long as you're able to see it with those eyes uh, and to be able to tag to to, I guess, dial into that former person and relive that in some way. Do you feel like you're able to do this on a level? Are you able to kind of connect and be drawn to an area based on uh, that science can't explain or logic can't explain? Uh, I, I don't understand quite well your question, but uh, you, you're talking about the ships entering this area, why, why they're, they're, they had the wreck is happening? Uh, why was... Yeah, just basically, it seems like you are able to go to any of these places that other people may have discovered or seen little bits of, but you seem to be drawn to these things to make a real interpretation of them, despite what other people thought they were that maybe saw them first. Yes, well, this is very interesting what, you, what you're saying, because I am an archaeologist, but I'm not an expert in, in particular archaeological things. And what I could say I have is... Initially, I have the sense of wonder, the sense of amazement, you know, of curiosity. Um, this is why I consider myself uh, not only an archaeologist, but also an explorer. Exploration is part of the human nature. And, and exploration starts with curiosity. People came out of Africa, perhaps not because they needed food or they were behind some herds of animals, but because of their curiosity. They wanted to know what was beyond, you know, and then that makes them go from one place to the other. And this is how we migrate. This is, this is just a particular idea, but we are explorers, all of us. The thing is that some people develop this condition, other people don't, but, uh, uh, but we all have it. We're all explorers. We're explorers when we're kids. When we're kids, we explore everything around the house. You know, we're going to places that even they're very dangerous. You know, we, we, we want to know what's behind the, the, the electricity connector and things like that. You know, we, we, we are explorers since we were born. And what I did is I continued this. I continued this sense of exploration. But this sense of exploration came to me because of the amazement that things produce, you know. When, 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 when you look at the tree, and, and you, really, you, you, you really understand what the tree is. Man, let me tell you, the amazement that you get when you get connected to what the tree really is and how the tree is connected to you. I mean, for instance, tree is giving you the oxygen you need to breathe, you know? So which is your connection to the tree? And, and, and at the end of the day, it's not about the connection of the oxygen, but it's about the amazement the amazement to be connected and to get to know that. So this amazement uh, is what is taking me one discovery after the other and after the other and after the other. This is how I've been past the last uh, 42 years of my life. I, I have seen so many things uh, so far, 
that if I wanted to study them, I, perhaps we need another couple of lives beside this one. And, 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 and this also amazes me, amazes me, you know, because uh, this is not the only planet. I mean, we're now going to Mars. We, we, have, a, we have telescopes now uh, looking back in time and, and, and we are explorers. This, this is what I mean. Uh, uh, but, but again, this exploration is nothing if you don't publish, if you don't tell others. I mean, because if you don't tell others, I mean, it, it's like it doesn't exist, actually. And it doesn't exist. So, so this is why for science it's important to publish, to communicate and, 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 and share this knowledge because it's all about, I think life is all about evolution. You know, it's all about, you know, going further. And now we have the opportunity because we live in wonderful times to connect to other people and, and to share these ideas and to, to get to know each, o each other better. Uh, you're in Ohio now, I'm in Venezuela. We're thousands of kilometers away, but we're in present time right now. We're having feelings uh, which actually are flowing through space. And, and this is relevant. This is all relevant. And, 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 and this is what took me to the shipwreck. I spent now over 20 years, and I, I don't think I, I will, I will uh, finish to study this shipwreck in my life. If I, if, if I continue now, I, I, I won't be able. So this, this is uh, um, another sort of amazement, you know. We're, we're, we're here discovering things that uh, are all, everything is a wonder. Everything is wonderful. I mean, it's, it's, it's I, I sometimes I, I, I find no words to communicate what, 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 what this feeling is, but we all have it. We, we all have this potential. And this is something very important because all human beings, we, we have an extraordinary potential, and, and, but, but we have to go after it. I mean, nature is not going to open that potential for you. You actually have to be curious. You have, the curiosity, you have to have this key to open the mysterious, but nobody will do it for you. You have to go yourself. You have to go into a boat and <laughs> dive into the water or jump into a helicopter and go to the middle of nowhere to discover these things. And um, it's funny because at the end of the day, I have come to realize that these things, they really don't make much, uh, much sense because it's, at the end of the day, it's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you there at the other side of the computer. It's all about us. The story of the French fleet is the story of us. It's the story of how men, feeling so powerful, feeling so strong, were defeated by nature. And it's interesting because this changes the whole story. By, by the time that the, the French fleet was going to attack Curaçao, I don't think there were more than 500 people in, 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 in Curaçao Island. These people as a whole, there were 5,000, you know, they were to go, to going to take over the islands. And after that, they had other plans in the area. Actually, they, 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 there is uh, a possibility that they, they were coming also to Venezuela area. And, and, and this is very funny because four months, just four months after the shipwreck, there was a treat, a, a treat between a, a French, a Spain, and, 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 and the Dutch for uh, uh, signing the peace, you know? So at that moment, the countries that this um, every nation had, they keep it. 
And, and uh, this gives you an idea how the history could have changed in just a moment. If not, it wasn't because of that uh, uh, reef that stopped the, the French. If, if they made it to the Curaçao, Curaçao today, people will be talking French and most probably we here in Venezuela too. Well, a lot of people in South America speak German, and that's for another reason. But I do think that it's so interesting that you you talk about this reef as a as an alteration to history because yes, it would be so much different. And one might say that you know the indigenous people were protected in a way, and that spirit kind of put that barrier up just for maybe this one instance. And we know that you know coral takes tens of thousands of years to grow. So again, the domino effect that set things in motion, the ten thousand years maybe before that certain reef started to grow, saying, "Hey, there's going to be a bunch of French people running over here." And we're going to need to stop them. And this is how we do it. This is how we alter history. And it's in small little ways like that, that I think that this is so connected and so deep. This is is incredible. This this amazes me because they, they, I mean, these ships, they were not ships. They were platforms for cannons. They, They were designed to intimidate, not to shoot. Just by having four of these ships in front of your port, in, in, at the end of the cent- 17th century, you will be putting out your white flag. Yeah. You wouldn't have to engage with these people, you know? And even though with that, it's like a, a very, very small mice uh, ended up with a lion. Uh, you know, this is, this, is, this is a very interesting story because the, the Dutch, they knew that they had no chance. They had no chance with this fleet. And they knew it. They were ready. They were ready for, for, for the attack because... There were boats, you know, going passing by, and they let them know to the to the Dutch that the French were coming. But what, this one single event changed everything. It, it's incredible. Changed the lives of many, many people. And even though um, 200, at least 200 men died in in this uh, one night event, which was considered um, a, a, a naval navy catastrophe. It was like a military defeat for the French, you know. It's, it's, it's very, very, very uh, interesting the story, and uh, for me, it's, uh, it's amazing because when you look at shipwrecks and the news, when they found the ship, they find the shipwreck, uh, they they find one shipwreck uh, in the middle of you know the sea, wherever it is. But we're talking here that we have no less than twelve ships lying on the bottom of this uh, reef. And, and every ship, at least seven of them, they were ship of the line. They were enormous ships that had no less than 50, 60 canyon, 60 canons on, on, on board and nearly 100, 500 men, every ship. I mean, we were talking of, of the best of that period of time. The best technology is, uh, is on that uh, reef right now. And I had the chance to, to study and to present it to archaeologists for the first time and then this was a really really uh, important for me and let me understood the relevance of publishing even though when you're not going to end the study but to publish to let other archaeologists for the future to know and you know you, you already made some steps forward for them so interesting. this is the same situation with the with the boulder I'm, I'm, I, 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 this boulder will be a, a treasure for for experts for for people that really are more advanced into knowledge that I am. 
Again, your humility is remarkable. Uh, absolutely remarkable. And I love what you said about the ships because, yeah, it's like a UFO invasion or something. It's the equivalent modern of a huge UFO just landing and us going, OK, yeah, no big deal. Um, but it's also got a David and Goliath type story, the mice and the lion, like you said. And so it is this almost like divine intervention type of a thing or that there's bigger things at work here, which is just so fascinating, man, that it's interpreted in that way. So uh, let, let's talk about, if you don't mind, the Spanish fort that you discovered in the middle of a river. What's going on with that? Well, that's, that's a very interesting story going on. And, um, and, and, and this, again, I was uh, researching some um, ancient maps on, on, uh, on, on, on a book. And um, I saw this map that at that, that very moment, I did not know who, who, who was uh, the, 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 the person that drew it. But not even the book I was reading. They it didn't, didn't know who did it. Now I know. But the thing is that they drove a, a small fortress on top of the islands in the middle of the Orinoco River, right in front of uh, Puerto Das, which is the biggest uh, city. I mean, it's, it's something that is in front. I mean, you go with a boat uh, from Puerto Das to this place, and on, you know, on a single afternoon, you will go and see what I'm talking to you about. But that nobody saw, unless I saw it first on the, on the, on the map, this manuscript map, then I went to the island, and then I found the, the fortress. And I was able to, draw, to make a drawing of it. And then after that, it was really interesting because I found the plans for building. And the plans and what I draw is quite similar. It's very, very similar. So you know you're, you're on top of the fortress. But um, uh, it's very interesting because this fortress was intended to protect the missions that were at that particular moment, we're talking here, uh, uh, mid uh, 17th century and, and they were uh, uh, already missions of priests living there and making their lives there among the Indians and uh, the thing is that this particular area was uh, really really uh, or, or, the, or the Spaniards they wanted to keep it protected and away from the British and the Dutch and, and other nations that wanted to go to this area because where the fortress is, is the mouth of the Caroni River. And the Caroni River at that time, it was known to be the entrance to El Dorado. So interesting. El Dorado, of course, is the city of gold, the fabled lost city of gold that's yet to be discovered, right? Yes. So these people, uh, had this fortress there, they intended for protecting the, the missionaries, but it had a second intention for the Spanish um, uh, empire, which was to protect this area from other nations trying to get into, because they, 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 they were already uh, uh, being uh, uh, like small battles in this area for, for the control of this particular entrance um, to go to this place that um, it was called by Chronicles and, and it was depicted uh, by many maps as the El Dorado, but which so far the studies uh, shown that is very different from what people's idea uh, about this place. Let's say for instance, when, when the first explorers, they came into the new world, they were already familiar with the stories from Greek golden cities, Hindus' golden cities. I mean, golden cities was already in the imaginary of these medieval uh, people entering into the Renaissance, you know? So they, what they did is they, they translate 
these places into the new world. Because if they didn't find it uh, so far in the old world, these uh, golden cities that all the mythologists talk about, you know, those gardens with the uh, uh, trees uh, and uh, golden apples and, and, and all, all these stories. So in their minds, they were entering the new. They were creating a new reality. They, uh, by, by stepping on a boat and crossing the Atlantic Ocean, these people, they were making a budget, the budget of their lives. But in their minds, they had already still the, had the connection with the um, stories from the Greeks, from the Hindus, and, and, uh, and other civilizations about, not only about uh, golden cities, but fantastic animals, you know, uh, with, with, with heads, uh, 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 without heads, and their heads on their, on their, on their chest, and, and, and many other fantastic animals that will eat the sheep and destroy them. I mean, these people actually were discovering not the world. They were discovering a new reality. And, and they were taking with them what they knew. And, and they, this, this idea of El Dorado that, that we have because of Hollywood or, or some other uh, uh, movie makers um, uh, is, is, is that. But the fact is that... This is not a reality that uh, at least uh, is, 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 is shown by the data. And this is something very sorry, uh, very interesting, but it will take another uh, program or two. So interesting. Oh, my God. Uh, okay, so I want to talk to you about preparing for coming time. So we're talking about creating a new world and inspiring others here, which is just a wonderful message that you have. And I'm so inspired. Uh, and so let's talk about uh, preparing for coming times, man. What, do, what are the times ahead of us and how can we prepare? Well, this is, this is a very interesting topic because um, when... You enter nature, you have to be prepared, my man. I mean, you can go hunt if you're not at least, you know, you have been walking already or you can, uh, you, you have been already going up the mountain or you, you feel strong enough, you know, to carry not, not only a shotgun, but to carry your backpack and, and you have to have somehow strong legs. And, and what I mean by preparing yourself is, is to take care of your body. Your body is your instrument for discovery. And if you want to, to go further into this rabbit hole of exploration and what discovery is, you have to have a good condition. You wouldn't want to go to the jungle if you're not prepared. So uh, this is basically a message. Uh, uh, the message that is not only good for exploring or doing archaeology or whatever, because it, it, it takes energy. It takes energy, it takes effort. I mean, it, it's, it's not an easy task um, to go out there and move. So before you go out there and, and, and explore, you have to be prepared. You have to take care of your body. You have to, you know, kind of uh, have uh, good health. And, and, and this is very important. And when uh, you said for the coming times, it's because we already know that the coming times, they don't look as good as we would like it to be, you know? And, and unfortunately, we are living right now a wonderful moment where on the opposite hand, we also have a war going on that, 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 that is oppressing many people uh, all over because it shouldn't be happening, but this is what we have. Nonetheless, um, 
here, for instance, where, where we live in Venezuela, we had uh, several um, nature uh, fatalities that happened in the past that could have not been avoided. But perhaps if some of those people were prepared, they were prepared to, for swimming or for climbing on a tree or for going on top of a rock, that probably could have saved their lives. And, 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 and this is what, what, what I mean by, by, by getting prepared because uh, times ahead don't look uh, quite good and, and, and uh, it's relevant that somehow, if you want to, let's say, survive, for instance, you have to be aware that you have to, you have to be prepared. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a prepper. I'm not a prepper. I have not this, uh, this philosophy of prepper. I, I like preppers. I like preppers and, and I like them very much. But survival could happen any moment. I mean, you could, go, you could be walking on the street uh, anywhere. And, and, and if you're not prepared for the event that is coming to you, let's say a bus without brakes, if, you, if you're not really into it, uh, you, you actually can 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 uh, be in a very uh, very strange situation, uh, and 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 this is what I mean by being prepared. Because the times ahead are the times that actually currently we we have. I mean, every day every day is a new day. There a new day we have new possibilities, and I have learned through all my exploration uh, uh, time that you have to be prepared, no matter whether you are in the city. You're in the jungle, you're in the bush, you have to be prepared. And, and, and this is a message I would like to take your program to, to transmit to people, you know, to, to, to get in shape, you know, to care about themselves. To, your body's like your car, man. You probably, some people probably they care more about their car than their bodies. <laughs> they do. And this is your avatar. This is how you're traveling in this place. And what's the old adage? If you are always ready, you don't have to get ready, right? And uh, I love this because this is the ultimate literal survival of the fittest. Like if you're fit, you'll probably survive. If you're, you know, maybe 700 pounds in a rascal due to McDonald's and bad decisions, then uh, that you're not going to be able to get out of the way of that bus. Or definitely when a tide comes or something, you're 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 screwed. You know, you're not fit to survive situational awareness that goes on around you. Now, this also dovetails into this amazing thing that you created. Now, we don't sell things on this show, but we do offer things that are in alignment with what we talk about. Out here and you've done an awesome thing not only has this thing gone huge but you just got a patent for it in the u.s now i'm going to be linking this for sure in the show notes but do you mind telling us about your product well um this is very interesting uh, because uh, this uh, this uh, this product uh, it's, 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 it's it became the story of my life it's, it's another it's another amazement because uh, all of a sudden i i had the need to to continue being trained but I, I found not the proper tool to do it. I, I do this um, routine, which is uh, high-intensity interval training. This is what I have been doing all my life. So I do, I do lots of pull-ups. I, I do lots of dips and, and you know, push-ups. And, and I combine this uh, into a routine that not only takes the effort of your, of your muscles, but also takes your heart. So it's a cardio as well. And... And the results I've been getting from this uh, system, they were so good that I, I need to have a machine for myself that could integrate this, um, this proper uh, exercising, uh, which actually people do. I mean, uh, swimmers, they, they do heat. Um, um, runners, they do heat. Um, and they, this technique is, is quite well used, but I, I have developed a system uh, for the upper body where you can do also uh, these this, uh, exercises. So I developed this product 
And I developed for me. I, I didn't consider this as a business. I mean, I developed the product, I made the design, and all of a sudden somebody came and said, hey, I, I want one. I, I think it's a good thing I, I have one too. And I realized after a while that they, I had at least no less than 20 friends of mine that they wanted the product. So I, I decided to start to produce the product. And it was very funny because I entered into a sort of business that I was, I didn't know anything about this business. So I started with a very, very um, small uh, hiring person that I had, a contractor. He had a small uh, welding shop. And uh, I started to ask this guy, gave him the plans. So he was building these machines. And, and, and all of a sudden, I was having so much uh, people asking me for the product that this guy wasn't supplying at the same speed I was needing it. So I had to go there to talk to the guy in person. I never been there before. Never saw the guy. He told me, hey, I can do this for you. I said, okay. So when I went to his shop, it happens that he had all my machines on the street. They were covering part of the street in front of his shop and they were not finished. I mean, they, he had no space, not even people. So he could produce this. So I decided to give another um, another sort of a view to this <laughs> to this uh, possible business. So I I became myself a businessman. I I um, organized a shop big enough so I could pr be producing this, and I started to produce these uh, these machines. And all of a sudden, these machines um, they, they were taking all my time. I was even able to go to explore anymore because I had to take care of the business. And um, it was very funny because I, I had a huge, huge area of producing it. And they were really, really on demand. And um, at, at some point, I was delivering by thousands around the, the cities, around the country in Venezuela, everywhere. The people right now, we're talking here. And there are people doing exercise on my equipment on the streets. And this is something very, very interesting, very, very, very curious to talk about and to, 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 to make some philosophy about this. But, but this is something I am aware of. I'm talking to you, but right now there are people working in my machines. And the, the funniest thing is that most of these people, they're low income people. These people that can't afford a gym. And, 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 and they, can, they can go on a regular basis to a gym, but thanks to this equipment and the routine, because more important, I tell more important that the machine is the routine. I mean, you could have the machine, but if I don't explain to you how this routine is, um, it wouldn't be the same, you know? So uh, it's very funny because at some point I had, I have placed like over 10,000. I had thousands of my subscribers on my webpage. At some point I had nearly 30,000 followers. We're talking here, 15 years ago, I mean, we, we had not a word influencer yet on, 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 on internet, but I was already having 30,000 followers that they wanted to know about me, what I was doing with the equipment and the routines and so on and so on. So every time that I send it an email, I collapsed the whole city system. And you know, they, the people from the cable, they were calling me because I was sending spam to people and so on and so on. I say, well, listen, no. These are my subscribers. It was very funny because um, um, many of these people uh, had not the chance to go to the street because some places they were dangerous. I mean, uh, 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 some places here in, in Venezuela, they're not as you would like them to be, for instance. But some people don't feel secure. 
So they were asking, hey, Jose Miguel, why don't you design something for the house? Something that you can have in the house. And uh, fine, fantastic. So there were more people giving me this idea. So I put myself to work and I started to design a product that will have the same benefits, but you could have it in your house. Because it was funny, I, I, I knew some people that had my, my outdoor uh, fitness equipment. They had it in the middle of, the, of their house. It's very funny, inside of the, you know, uh, the living room. Man, it's, it's crazy. So I started to design this product. And after a while, I came uh, with a prototype that was good enough so people could use it. I, I actually, I, I, was, I was using it. And um, then I wanted to give a next step. And um, what I did, I, I went to the United States and found a good um, uh, industrial designing company. And I asked them to adapt the product to the American market because most of the um, American walls, they're, they're basically drywall. They have these studs behind, but I didn't know that at that time. I say, well, how can I attach my product to the walls? So uh, here comes these people and they came back to me with a fantastic design that had this standard for attaching it to the studs. So that's it. I didn't need anything else. So after that, I went um, to patent the product because I, I knew I had uh, something that was taking the past products a step forward. And this is very interesting because I'm not a designer, I'm not an inventor, but I had an idea and I went after it. You know, I put it into, into work, I put it into paper, I came out with it into reality. And to my surprise, after five years, the patent office of the United States gave me a patent of invention, which, which is remarkable because it's, 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 it's again like publishing something. I mean, an invention patent is not different from a scientific paper. If you look at the scientific paper and a patent paper, it's the same. Basically, it's the same. You're presenting something new. And I, was, I wasn't very confident that the patent office was going to give me the, the, the patent. And I was worried because it's very expensive. I mean, this is not, uh, this is not peanuts. I mean, it's, it's, it becomes expensive and mostly because of the lawyers which are my good friends, by the way. They have to be always good friends with the lawyers. So um, we got the patent and that was uh, remarkable because the patent says something that, um, that impacted me in some way because it said that I was contributing to knowledge. I was contributing to society somehow. You see, they, they, they were giving me because they realized that there was an improvement. I mean, I, I did something that came out to be something good for, for the people. And I said, well, thank you, God. I mean, I, 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 can, I can say no other thing because I wasn't expecting. When I, when I was a kid or when I was at the school, I never considered myself an inventor. Actually, I don't consider myself an inventor. But I was able to do some invention now. And this is what I am presenting to the people because this is a good way to, to get prepared and at home. And anybody could use it, which is the other good thing about this product that um, is a universal fitness equipment. A very, very, um, let's say a huge person or, or a fat person or a blind person or a person on a wheelchair or anybody with any disruption of mobility, they could use it to improve flexibility, strength. Uh, even when you can do one pull up, the, the equipment has a system where it will take you from zero to 10 pull ups 
and 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 and, 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 and this is very interesting because again there is no difference from the boulder from the shipwreck from this invention it all starts by curiosity it all starts by amazement it all it it it, it, it all it is all connected you know it is all it's it's all, it's all connected um, i'm just taking advantage of it you know i know it i'm aware of it you're aware of it and that's that's why it's so incredible and so successful, man. I mean, you're a, a renaissance man. You can just do it all. And this is why I wanted to mention it as well as let folks know about it. I'm going to be linking it down in the show notes as well as all the ways to find you. So guys, <laughs> definitely check that out. And we have so much more to talk about, man. Uh, my mind's just blown on this. So guys, uh, definitely stick around. Um, check out the show notes for sure on all the ways to find him. Hosel. Jose. Miguel. Well, you should say Jose because my, 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 my last name is for... For Anglo-American speaking people, this is not so easy. So Jose Miguel will be fine with me, and and I appreciate uh, appreciate this because um, actually I just started a campaign in the U.S. just uh, a few days ago. I mean, and and uh, it, it, it's a coincidence that you're you know you're interviewing me now, and now people is getting to know this uh, of, of this project through your program, which wasn't intended. I, I didn't oh, ask this. Yeah, no, and this I is wasn't some... asking. For, this is my call uh, because it's so fantastic, but it just ties into you and what you're able to accomplish. Again, just the thing that you built is a lifetime for someone on its own, but you decided to make this discovery and contribution, which is brilliant in the same fashion that you do all the other things. And so I wanted to bring it up as a scope for your reality and what you're able to contribute here uh, because you are just one of the most fascinating people. This is the final message. I mean, the, the, the knowledge means nothing if you're not able to share it. You have to share knowledge with the people. You know, you have to share your ideas, your feelings, whatever, but share it. You know, and better to publish it. I could not agree more. You're just so fantastic, Jose Miguel. Gracias para tu tiempo, amigo. We will do it again soon. Thank you oh, so thank much. You. Thanks to you, man, my friend, and just uh, let me know when we have another chance to meet, perhaps in person. Oh, definitely. I'm going to take you around. Me and you are going to do a road trip around the U.S. and see petroglyphs. And I just want to see you. I, I want to go with you to places and see what you see that's not been discovered yet on places that are already out there for all of us to go check out. So we'll do that, man. We'll book that. Come on up anytime, dude. I would love to see the ultimate sure road we trip. See, we will see something new. For sure we will see something new. You, 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 don't, you, don't, you don't have to have new places, but uh, perhaps new eyes. See what I tell y'all absolutely fascinating mind blown there are so many things we talked about out off air actually that I wish we would have recorded and put out so all this tells you guys is that we have so much more to discuss Jose is a wealth of information wisdom and knowledge and I just can't wait for the next one there's so much more uh, with him to enjoy in the future guys so in the meantime check out all of the links in the show notes I think just his Facebook and his academia papers are what's down there that's the way to find the guy he's busy out flying helicopters rock climbing and scuba diving and you know, flooded caves in South America. So he's not really around the social media much, and that's fine. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to speak to him for the time that I did. So, uh, guys, check out all of the links for him in the show notes. Unbelievable, dude. So, so grateful, Jose. Mucho gracias, amigo. 
So while you're down in the show notes as well, guys, check out our resource links with Food Forced Abundance. Get that freedom for beer on. Also, Libsyn, if you'd like to start your own podcast, which I encourage everyone to do. That's why I am very passionate about that affiliate link. It's got nothing to do with you know, I mean, making a little extra coin, it's about giving you guys the opportunity to give yourself your own voice. And I highly, highly encourage that. So while down there as well, check out Opus, the organization for paranormal understanding and support, Lester Velez's jam. And it is awesome for all resources related to the paranormal phenomena, any abductions that you guys may have felt that you've experienced or missing time, any of that kind of stuff, guys. He's got you covered. Check the link marked Opus. Also, while you're down there, check out expandingrealitypodcast.com. That's going to be links for everything. All of our lives are replayed there. Too cool or too hot for YouTube. It's way too hot for YouTube. It's all there for free. Uh, Also, you uh, feel free to sign up as an expansive insider. And that is where you get access to the really cool uh, collaborations that I'm doing with Dave Zed. Uh, We've got Andy from the Deep Share podcast. Andy Rouse over there doing some cool stuff as well. Matt Terillion and us are doing an incredible breakdown on Starforge. So, guys, there's a lot to explore over there. Uh, As well as uh, you can sign up for our program. If that's just the way you want to help the show out, I'm open to receive. So, bring it. Uh, I think it's like $7.77 a month. We made it nice and fun for you. Or there's another option for if you want to throw your boy uh, Cool Mill, I'll take you for um, go-karts and uh, like putt-putt mini golf for the day. And that'd be awesome. Well spent. That's a bargain, by the way. Uh, I'm a I'm a blast. So, uh, guys, other than all of that stuff, uh, go out into this beautiful place, um, whatever the thing this is, and y'all pick up a piece of litter. Of course, keep that beautiful mind open to how amazing amazing this place actually is and thanks to jose we can really say that Uh, there are still tons of mysteries out here to explore all of them exciting and it's way better than paying attention to what the stupid news is trying to tell you to do Uh, so uh, go out like i said into this beautiful place pick up a piece of litter while you're doing all that buy somebody in line around you a coffee or a meal something super small since that massive ripple effect through the collective just on that one little thing as well as just be nice to everybody that you come across, even just opening a door or smiling at someone. It's it's the biggest way to make an impact. Show up for yourself because the world is a mirror to you probably, right? And if it's not, it should be. And if you treat it that way, it is. So this the way this place works, it's mysterious and amazing. Uh, so go take yourself up on a greater, grander version of yourself always. Um, and of course, get out of the left-hand lane. That's a wonderful way to do that. You got somebody wanting to pass there when you're automotiving your way around anywhere you're at. Just get the hell out of the left-hand lane, let them be on by, and then get over there and do whatever the hell you're doing, not paying attention. So uh, also, um, go out into this incredible place, guys. Again, full of wisdom, wonder, mystery, unbelievable cool things. And y'all just be good to one another. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time.